0: everyone and welcome to the first in a series called aggressive rants uh that is short for aggressive rants which basically are chill rants but I get to be very aggressive instead of being super chill my first rant is going to be called the death of game design which is like the death of the novel which so many writers have written about because the novel is dead especially with Ernest Kleins, ready player one and ready player two I highly doubt we're going to get a great pulp fiction novel anytime soon For anybody that is actually listening that actually liked those novels, I highly encourage you to reread the novel. All right, so moving on to my aggressive rant about the death of game design, I wanted to talk about Stadia. Stadia recently announced that shared revenue is going to be based on playtime, and the game development community on Twitter obviously outcried. No, it's not because we outcry everything, though I hear you we do, but because fundamentally, what Stadia is rewarding is really bad game design and it's bad game development practices. And that's why Twitter is really upset. That's why I'm upset. That's why this is my first aggressive rant because this change that Stadia is doing goes against the very thing that we as humans, right, are holding above absolutely everything else. And it's what really makes us human. It's called the soul. Okay, that's a little bit of a hyperbole. But I truly do think and mean that our individual right? Humanity is at stake with stadia's change. It's a very big hyperbole. Um, Hyperbolic, I don't know what the word is. It's an aggressive rant. I don't really have to care what the word is. I just have to use it. So. Triple-A game development, or God forbid, or God bless, quad-A game development, is all about creating an experience that is a long game cycle, something for massive millions of people, hordes of individuals, to all come together and consume the same content and consume it in the same way. That is the type of game design that we see in the triple-A, quad-A space. Now, I'm not harping or bashing triple-A or quad-A game titles, Right, And I'm not saying that a lot of those games create similar outcomes. Red Dead Redemption 2, for example, while being a straightforward linear experience as a single player title, can actually be achieved in a variety of ways based on the way you play the game in combat, the weapons that you decide to pick up, the skills that you purchase. right? How you experience that game through the gameplay mechanics is, say, fundamentally different. When we look at churning out long, grinding episodes of content, we see that Destiny 2, as a, a live game service, live game service, platform, social experience, shared world, woo, 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 uh, is actually a great example of this, right? World of Warcraft is another example of a live service game that qu- requires players to play content in order to play it. Now, Stadia's revenue share model, while it's only for a limited time, and it only is until, right, quarter 2021, like the end of 2021 and early 2022, which is also really strange and bizarre, and is also only for new developers. So this means that, right, the big titans can't, say, like Destiny 2, for example, if it was to be released on Stadia, they don't get all of this massive revenue share, right? And I'm not going to go into all of the Stadia stuff. You can go look that up online. You were listening to me because you want to hear my thoughts and my opinions. So on this notion, right, developers are churning through themselves. They're churning through content, they're churning through development, and they're being asked to create not just the same types of content, but the same systems. It all has to fit within an hour count, a minute count, a second count. How long is a player going to be in this experience? And honestly, AAA development is a dangerous long game cycle. We churn through developers and we replace them once someone gets tired of doing the same shit that they've been doing for You know, 10 to 20 years. And when you put someone in charge of a franchise or you tell someone that's a new developer to create an experience that is requiring players to play over and over again, maybe it's a new IP, sure. But if you have been playing the same games and you've been doing the same types of games and you've been developing the same types of games for 20 years, guess what you're going to get? the same types of games. So Stadia's revenue model isn't just hurting the development, say, cycle of AAA and Quad A. It is detrimentally affecting new developers that want to start on Stadia as a platform by basically telling them and rewarding them for creating game systems that mirror bigger AAA titles without any of the funding, without any of the marketing, any of the PR, any of the promotion, anything that would actually make Those new developers want to get into the game industry entirely. Not only that, but Stadia is basically rewarding people for creating the same types of experiences that you'll see on every other platform out there. This doesn't make any sense, and that's why it's the death of game design, or at least the death of good game design, because instead of encouraging your players and your development community to create new and interesting experiences, you're saying, hey, you see what all these other people are doing? We're going to give you more money if you somehow do it better than literally every other big player on the market. And only if you do it, say, in the next nine months, go. Totally makes sense, right? The status quo of Stadia right now is already on, you know, thin ice. So now rewarding playtime and player counts on an experience makes that blatant statement about games that is completely incorrect, It's stating that games with a longer experience are going to have higher player counts. It's stating that having games with a longer player experience and longer player counts and the more time you spend on a game, it means the more that you enjoy it. So the game must be better, right? We should give you more money because if players are playing your game for long amounts of time, you must be more fiscally responsible. Right? Cue any developer name you want to cue right here for moment of silence for any layoffs because of all the fiscal responsibility that comes with making really big budget games. Ergo, we look at Stadia and we look at this and we realize that there is a massive, massive gap. I was going to say, actually, like a cultural gap. Uh, I was going to say a cultural gap between like the Stadia, publishers, developers as a platform of Google and between game development, especially at the individual level. But I realized now that even though I was going to say, and I was kind of writing that, that actually doesn't really get to what I'm going to. What I'm really trying to say is that by encouraging that type of development from indie developers, you are actually not only going against the individual skills of those developers, but you're going against the individual ingenuity that comes from the indie game development market and when I say indie I really just mean the independent game development market but instead of talking about indie games because I know I'm going to leave that to Nicholas because he's been playing a lot of them I work in AAA hell maybe I work in Quad A who knows I'm joking I don't work in uh, (laughs) because honestly it'd be ah to so much pressure But I work in some really big systems and I have worked in progression systems. And when we look at the system of Stadia, okay, and we look at the way they're trying to progress all of the different things, it is massive that Stadia is saying that we should pay content creators more money for content that encourages playing a game that is on a specific platform and encourages players to play that single game versus a wide plethora of experiences. This is completely counterintuitive to say companies like Microsoft with Xbox Game Pass that are showing up with thousands of like new consumers and new consoles. Hell, I am thinking of buying an Xbox. I wouldn't actually buy an Xbox. I am a Sony purist. But I am thinking of buying an Xbox because the Xbox Game Pass is massive and I can play a wide variety of experiences. It is massive that Stadia thinks that by encouraging to play one single really good game on Stadia, Stadia is banking on a massive developer making a game on Stadia. Hell, I'll even say that Stadia is doing this policy, not for any independent creator out there, but is doing it because there is some secret studio out there that is going to make a game on Stadia, and it is going to be freaking massive, specifically within this quarter, and it is a new Stadia company. Whew, that was like really aggressive. All right. So now we get to talk about something that's super near and dear to my heart and Nicholas's heart. Capitalism. Da-da-da-da capitalism right is one of the major players of this right the reason why we're all upset is because of revenue sharing well good luck you capitalism is one of those reasons for it capitalism like all human design systems is just another reward risk structure it is designed to create humans that play into the rules of its contracts this sounds a lot like a game well that's because it is games are based in the real world people So much like a game, Stadia is rewarding developers who create content on a platform that encourages that long tail, repetitive grind content, and it requires a long time to complete. As someone who's worked on these types of titles before, let me tell you, there is a big difference in game design when you are designing content in terms of rewarding players who are already playing your game and designing content that requires your players to complete them. Because we need to take a look at what the difference is between Stadia saying, we reward you, a developer, for designing an experience that requires the time of your players to play it in order to get the 85% revenue share until you make like $3 million or something. Which, bless, I'll take it. Give me $3 million, Stadia, for just playing a game over and over again. Versus, right, Stadia saying, hey, if your players are engaged and you are rewarding them for the time that they spend, say, regardless of how much time is spent, you would get that same revenue share. Having worked on systems, both that require a player, such as progression systems, to spend a bunch of time, and also looking at reward systems, right, that reward players for the time that they have put in, let's look at a game. That is one of my favorite franchises of all time because this is finally getting the difference from their single-player titles to their critically acclaimed award-winning MMORPG Final Fantasy XIV with a free trial up to level 60 and goes all the way up into Heaven's Sword with no limit on playtime. Really, please, Square Enix, come give us money. I would, I would love to just stream your game. So... But let's look at it. So back in ye olden days, when you could actually get a PlayStation console, Final Fantasy was notorious for requiring both skill and mainly time to complete. If you weren't a good player, you could just level up to 99 and go through that content no problem. At some point, it doesn't really matter how well you actually master the mechanics of lightning or snow in Final Fantasy 13, because if you skip to the big open world planet with nothing to do but fight monsters, whoops, you got level locked out of the final fight. And, you know, Final Fantasy has tons of warnings in these games. You know, they mean it when they say, are you sure you want to leave because you can't return, Noxus? Once you get over, you won't be able to come back to this land for a while. And they mean you better grind because the best part of the game is about to, uh, is right behind you. So you can play the ending, uh, we slapped together for you due to our direction shifts because, trust us, Kingdom Hearts 3 needed our director more than Final Fantasy fifteen, and that's saying something. So, grind away, Noctis, grind away, do all the chocobo races, get those levels, because you're never coming back. I actually love Final Fantasy XV, by the way, but I'm still bitter. Aggression. So, Final Fantasy single-player titles, right? Even from all the way from Final Fantasy VI, uh, which I think is Final Fantasy III in the United States market, uh, Nicholas is going to be able to correct me here and can butt into my... uh, I was going to call this a chill rant. He <laughs> can butt into my chill rant at any time. Uh, but basically, right? Final Fantasy games and many RPGs in the West right, require you to spend time in the game, right? Another great game that requires your time is Persona 5. But if you know what you're doing, you can actually complete Persona 5 in under 100 hours, which is pretty good for a role-playing game, just so anybody who's never played a role-playing game. Uh, under 100 hours is pretty good. I, myself, finished Persona 5 Royale in 99 hours, which is great because I finished Persona 5, the original, which did not give time boosts, in about 147. No, I will never get those hours back. But that's what I'm talking about. These games require your time. Now, let's look at a game that doesn't really require your time. Sure, you might put time in to get better, but it doesn't really require it. Super Smash Brothers, Devil May Cry, honestly, Call of Duty, Overwatch, League of Legends. Yes, you would argue that those games require you to play the game a lot. But honestly, if you are really skilled at, say, first-person shooters, you can probably jump into any first-person shooter from Overwatch, Call of Duty to Apex to Valorant, and boom, you are straight into that thing. You don't have to put in a lot of time to get a lot of enjoyment out of it. Same with Devil May Cry or Street Fighter. You're memorizing combos. You're getting into that experience. And if you're really good at those and you're really great at memory, you might spend a little time, but... Once you play it, you can start playing Super Smash Brothers with your friends, and I bet you every time you load up Mario Kart, you have a blast. See, you're not really in those experiences a long time. Those types of experiences don't require your time, but are highly rewarding for the time that you put into them, right? RPGs easily fall into that trap because they have progression systems that require time for you to level up and experience, gain items, explore the world, collect artifacts, write Breath of the Wild, do whatever you want, versus, right, actually rewarding you for the time. It's the reason why I left World of Warcraft. It required a ton of time out of me and rewarded me with nothing. So when you design an RPG, the death of game design is when you are designing content that requires time and not designing content that rewards the time that you're putting in. However, here we go. Final Fantasy XIV does both. Now, I know that probably back when it was launched, it still fell into the pit traps of Final Fantasy grind and having to get into all of those things. But, you know, I really want to get into this because as an ex-WOW player, I just can't get over how much more rewarding it is to play with friends, Final Fantasy XIV, that is, and play alone in Eorzea. It is so much more rewarding, so much more validating, and also having that free trial up to level 60 with the critically acclaimed Heaven's Sword content patch. Uh, really encouraged me not just to get into the community of Final Fantasy XIV, but actually encouraged me to buy the game so that I could access all of these things, right, and all of those unlock features. So when you start the game, Final Fantasy XIV does require you to have time. It requires that in order to reach the multiplayer content, you have to play up to level 15, which is relatively simple now. And you need to complete a set of main story quests in order to unlock multiplayer dungeons. Not only that, but that you only unlock one multiplayer dungeon. Now you have to complete even more main story quests in order to unlock more multiplayer content. And this is actually not just true up until level 15. This is true for The entire expansion and the entire franchise. So when Final Fantasy XIV was released in infancy, all the way up until Endwalker, which is coming in November of 20 and 21, you have to play main story quests to unlock all of this high-end content. And you have to get to level 80 before you can unlock all of these other raids, which are even more high-end eight-man dungeons. Normally, I hate this method. I hate making players playthrough content, swathing through a subpar, single-player campaign, looking at you, Destiny 2, just to be leveled up all the way up to level 20, looking at you, Destiny 2, to finally get into the multiplayer content so you can play with your friends. Also looking at you, Borderlands 3. However, Final Fantasy 14's storytelling and the way they reward you with mechanic unlocks throughout the The experience they require the time investment is absolutely phenomenal. Final Fantasy XIV weaves their time requirements into Mechanic Unlocks and its tutorials in a way that has me playing it as a typical single-player role-playing game experience. You know, I'm playing another Final Fantasy game while also playing an MMO while also playing say, a housing simulator, while also playing a market simulator, while also playing Farmsville because I'm crafting and gardening at the same time. You know, Final Fantasy 14 requires my time to unlock a feature. But while I am unlocking that feature, it is also rewarding me with not only with experience and loot and gear, it's rewarding me with other feature content. And right it's rewarding me with narrative. it's rewarding me with cutscenes. And while Final Fantasy XIV does have a problem with the cutscene clickbait, which is basically you accept a quest, and then it's just a cutscene. And then you turn in the quest, and then it becomes another cutscene. I call this the cutscene clickbait. Regardless of the time that I spend in the world of Eorzea, however, I am always consistently rewarded. Not only that, Final Fantasy XIV is actually rewarding the true premise of an MMO, which is the social interactions. The time that it takes for me to complete a quest can always be made quicker by either A, right, skipping a (laughs) cutscene. Sorry, I had to throw that in there. Um, The time that it takes for me to complete a quest, for many of these quests that are either not main story are my class quests or especially crafting quests, if I have friends that have already done those quests... If I have the community or reach out into the channels of Final Fantasy XIV and I have unlocked the social features such as trading or the auction house, Final Fantasy XIV rewards me for engaging with other players' hard-earned content, other players' farmed resources, or my friends' farmed resources. You can also complete main story dungeons unsynced, which means that If I am of an okay level to go in, but I have my friends that are higher level, they can complete a level 60 dungeon with their level 80 weapons, which makes everything fly by. And now my time is less in that game. On Stadia, Final Fantasy XIV would not actually be able to get the revenue share, much less it's not a new developer. But let's say, hey, they went to Square Enix and said, hey, could you put Final Fantasy XIV on Stadia? I would be very surprised if it does well because players wouldn't play with the community as long because Final Fantasy XIV as a game rewards the social mechanics for completing things faster. And that's it, right? MMOs do take a lot of your time and they are time sinks. But I am rewarded more for completing the content more efficiently, faster, and getting through everything as quick as possible, not by staying in line in a queue, in a grind fest, looking at numbers and going, I have to do X many kills in this amount of time at a 40% drop rate, right? I don't have to do any math in Final Fantasy XIV. I just got to call up my friends and we battle everything together. And that's kind of the crux of this issue. That's the point, right? Stadia's model is bad game design because it is going back. And looking back at all of those social experiences and saying, hey, they require you to be level 60, and we know it takes 60 hours because it's a level, an hour, in order to create that curve. So let's make it 20 minutes for the first 10 levels, 30 minutes for the next 10 levels, so on and so forth, till we get about an hour, maybe 1.15 hours. And, okay, so if they've gotten 60 hours, then we're going to unlock this content I am not kidding that I have had those types of conversations in AAA game development. Your head is probably spinning. It's probably exploding. And you're like, why would anyone balance like that? And I'm just going, look at all the MMOs. Look at them. So basically, long story short, Stadia, you are creating the death of good game design. Final Fantasy XIV rewards me more for having a social network than it does for actually spending time in the game. And that is absolutely incredible because I have never made better friends, more friends, lasting friends, and deepened relationships with existing friends than I have in Final Fantasy XIV, which has been incredibly crucial for this time during COVID-19. Or, excuse me, during the Panini. Because if we air this, I should not actually be saying... I should not be saying that word, (laughs) excuse me, right? And you know, Final Fantasy XIV has realized it as a game that it's not really how much you play, it's how much you enjoy it for as little or as much as it is. And because it's recognized that, more players than ever are playing Final Fantasy XIV because it doesn't force you or require the time investment to play that game. It really just rewards you for the time that you've put in. Stadia, good luck, my friend. Good luck. You really think paying players, or I'm sorry, paying developers for players playing your content more on a single game is going to increase the amount of games on your platform. If anything, it's going to encourage just one game if you even get that. So let's see how this plays out, guys. One, is there gonna be a massive AAA or quad A title that we just don't recognize is gonna come out in Q2 of 2022? That's probably why they're doing it. Second, maybe Stadia is gonna reverse this policy and say that they want shorter experiences with more breath, a la Xbox Game Pass, or maybe you know, game developers will just ignore it entirely. It's no, no change is gonna happen to Stadia. And whether it's breaking in or breaking out, I want you to know as game developers that you should just create experiences that are meant to be played forever. Not because they're a long, endless universe with stories and loot and grind that require players to get through that content and slough through the trenches. But players play them forever because they remember them fondly. They get emulators for them on the new PCs when our old PCs can't play them anymore. And it's because you create something that you enjoyed creating and that players enjoy consuming, regardless if it's one minute or a million minutes.